0: Um, uh, children, let, let me just, just say something to you before we read the Bible. Um, w- w- when we look at this passage there, I want us to be thinking about what happens, why it happens, and so what. What, why, and so what. Um, those who are uh, grown ups with young children, you might want to remember those questions too, so that later in the day you can have a conversation and say, when we looked when at we, when we look that bit of the Bible, what happened? Why did it happen? And so what? Okay? Here we go. John chapter 9 uh, says this. As he, that is Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Okay, so uh, what happens? We have a, a man um, in this account, and this man has a problem. Is this problem that he's lame? No. That he's deaf. What's his problem? He's blind. There we go. We have a man who is blind and um, he cannot see. And at the end, what happens? See. He can see. At the end, he can see. There you go. Um, and who, who did that? Jesus. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, this man, he's blind and then he can see and Jesus did it. Now, this bit of the Bible is all about seeing. Helps us to think about how we see the world around us. Now, what, what I want us to do, I'm going to show you a picture. Let me see if I can just blank this screen for a moment. There we go. Right, right. I'm, I'm going to show you a picture on the screen. I want you to think what is the first thing you see. Don't say it. Just think it. Okay? So I'll show you a picture. What's the first thing you see? Okay? Is everyone ready? Yeah? Okay, here we go. Don't say it. Okay, anybody want to tell me what the first thing they see is? Casper. A, a face. All right, anybody else see a face? Put your hand up. Anybody see something that's not a face? Damien, what do you see? Uh, a woman of a witch. There we go. Does anyone else see that? Okay, so, so hands up for face. Hands up for two women. Interesting, very interesting. Now, apparently, according to the very reliable interweb, um, if you see a face first, it means something about you. It means you are a down-to-earth person. You have potential for understanding, creativity, and a knack for caring for people. You are approachable. There we go. Um, if you saw the two, two women, the two people, this is what it says about you. Uh, likes to be well-planned and organized. <laughs> Damien, the master of the spreadsheet, um, uh, has a competitive nature which compels you to be the best in everything. His wife is laughing the loudest. Um, There we go. Um, I have no idea if there is anything at all in that, but but there is something in the fact that when we see a picture, there are some things that we are drawn to notice and other things we are drawn to ignore. Um, In this bit of the Bible. Jesus sees something. Jesus is drawn to something. He notices a person. Uh, This is what it says at the start of the account. And this is what what Jesus did. Can we read this together? He saw a man blind from birth. This man, his eyes had never worked. He'd never seen a sunset, never seen his own mum's face. Didn't know what colours were. Um, And because he was blind, he couldn't work, so he had to beg And that's why he's outside the temple, he's begging, uh, because that's all he can do. And we find in this account a man, as far as we know, who is just defined by his suffering. And it raises a question for us. What do we see when we see suffering? Now that could be a very difficult question, maybe for some of us here today, that's a, a difficult question. What do we see when we see suffering? Difficult because you're aware of struggle. It could be in the lives of others, or it could be in your own life. Uh, it may just be a comfort that Jesus notices, the blind man. Jesus sees him. The attention of Jesus gets drawn toward the suffering. Uh, the disciples, however, now I, I think the disciples do something that we so often do when we see suffering. Uh, we want to know Why? The disciples want to know what has caused the man's blindness. Uh, But the disciples, like all of us, when they look at the world, there are some things they notice and some things that they miss. Uh, The disciples have an idea about why suffering happens. So the question they ask Jesus is this. Can we say it together? Who sinned? Uh, They understand um, the Bible and they misunderstand the Bible. The thing they understand is that in the beginning, God made the world and it was very good. And they know that now, in their life, the world is not like that. The goodness has been spoiled and there is suffering all around. And what they also know is that what changed between the good beginning and the sorrow and suffering they see now is that sin happened. Before there was sin, there was no suffering. After sin, suffering came. But they misunderstand The relationship between sin and suffering. What they think is that if if something bad happens, it is always because you did something wrong. They think it's like gravity. And what goes up must come down. If suffering comes down, it must be because of the sin that you threw up. Now, Now with that way of viewing the world, they have a problem with a man born blind. Because they think when someone suffers, it's always because of their sin. But here is a man who who has been suffering before he had a chance to sin. So whose sin caused his suffering? That's their question. Was it that somehow he sinned before he was born, maybe in his mum's tummy? That's a bit strange. Or was it something to do with his parents? And so they asked Jesus their question. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus says, no. This suffering is not because of the sin of the man or the sin of his parents. You can't blame anyone for it. The Bible has lots of other things to say about suffering, more than what this passage says. But it's important to see what Jesus does here. Often when people are suffering, they find themselves asking, what have I done to deserve this? If you ever found yourself doing that when something hard happens, what have I done to deserve it? And if we can't find an answer to that, if we can't blame ourselves, we maybe start to look around us. Is there someone else we can blame? Now, sometimes our suffering is caused by others. Sometimes it is caused by ourselves. But at other times, like in the case of this blind man, there isn't anyone to blame. It's no one's fault. But when the disciples looked at the world, they didn't have an option for that. They didn't have an option that the suffering might not be someone's fault. There might not be someone to blame. Who sinned, they say, and Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he says, we read this together, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now Jesus shows that they missed something when they looked at suffering. They're asking the wrong question. And he turns their attention away from what caused it to what's the purpose of it. Again, that doesn't answer all the questions that suffering raises, but it directs our attention to something that we would not want to miss. He's saying to the disciples, I want you to think less about what caused the blindness, and more, I want you to think about what the purpose of it might be. And here is the purpose very clearly. Let's say it again. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then Jesus says, As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. If Jesus had told them the cause of the blindness, what would they have done with that information? How would it have helped them or or the man? And Jesus says, no, time is short. We, Jesus and the disciples, must be pursuing God's purposes in the world. And and I think that he's showing us that whatever suffering we might face and however confusing that might be, and we might not not know where it came from and what caused it, but he's showing that suffering can find meaning when we connect it to the purposes of God. Now, just like this man's blindness, it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And and it's important to see that is saying something more than the man will be healed. He is healed, we know that, and we'll think about that in a moment. But the purpose isn't that he's healed. That's a a way to the end, isn't it? That the end is to show the works of God. Another part of the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 13, we find the Apostle Paul pleading with God to take away some suffering. And God says to him, not yet. Instead, I'm going to give you enough grace so you can keep on going. And the works of God are shown in Paul's suffering, not through the happiness of healing, but through the grace of enduring. Now, when Jesus says that this man was blind so the works of God might be displayed in him, He's saying that that display of the works of God has a value that exceeds and outweighs even this man's life of blindness. And he becomes in that a picture of a great Bible truth. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, that's a truth that shines most brightly when our present sufferings are most weighty. When we find ourselves in one of those places where our our present sufferings are indescribably crushing, this is a truth that points towards a future glory that will be indescribably indescribable. A glory we can really only begin to imagine when we understand that it will make our present sufferings seem incomparably small. Jesus saw this man... Blind from birth, and he honoured him, he dignified him. He showed his suffering wasn't because God was against him, it was because God wanted to use his life to display his glory. Now, might that be true for you? That your suffering doesn't show that God's against you, but it shows that God wants to honour and dignify you and use your life to display a beauty beyond description. Uh, I think we can take that comfort when we see that the works of God in verse 4 are the works of him who sent me, says Jesus in verse 5. The focus is on Jesus. Jesus, who who in verse 5 says, I am the light of the world. That's what the blind man needs to see. He needs to see the light of the world, and that's what we need to see too. Not, Not simply to see a wonderful miracle, but to see the light, to see Jesus. Now, the disciples are not right to say that his suffering must be caused by the man's sin. But they were right to connect sin and suffering. Now, all of our sin, the wrong things that we do, it always adds in some way to the suffering in the world, but it's not neat. It's a a tangled mess. That's what we find ourselves in, trapped in a tangled mess. But then the Bible says that the light of the world came to undo the mess for us. And the only way that he could do it was by himself getting caught up in that tangle and mess. He came to take away our sin by dying on the cross. And by taking away the sin of the world, he now can take away the suffering of the world. Now, he is the light of the world who shines in the darkness. And before we think about exactly what he did with this miracle, we're going to sing again and remind each other that he is the light of the world who stepped into our darkness so that we might see him. Now, let's sing. Now, Jesus sees this man who has been born blind, blind from birth, and he said, This has happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. I am the light of the world, says Jesus. What the blind man needs is to see the light of the world. He needs to see Jesus. That's how the works of God might be displayed in him. And I think that we're told about this man because just like him, we need to see Jesus. So what do we see of Jesus here? Um, I think we need a little competition. Um, I've got my bag of goods here. Um, I've got a couple of plates, Um, I'm going to need in a moment um, two pairs um, to come and compete against each other, Um, and there is some chocolate, so if you can't eat chocolate, don't come up, Um, let me see, whisper bars, Uh, one of the best ways to enjoy chocolate because of the maximum surface area, and that is how to get the most out of chocolate, anything with a big surface area, flakes as well, good way to enjoy chocolate because you get maximum flavour. Um, on it. So, so two whisper bars, um, and I've got some Play-Doh that I made, and um, hopefully it will work. Right, um, so um, I need two pairs, and um, perhaps if you're a younger person, you might want to bring an older person. Um, uh, anybody want to come and, and get involved in this? Brilliant, excellent. We've got... Straight away, brilliant. So, so we've got Mally, and we've got Micah, and we've got Casper, and we've got Casper's mum. Brilliant, right, so... What, what we're going to do, so I'm assuming Mally's going to do the eating, yeah? Yeah? Casper, you're going to do the eating? Great. Right, so the focus really is on, on you. Now hold that. You want me to give a bit of a squid? It's a little bit hard. Poppy, there you go. Right, so uh, in a moment, don't do anything. You, you can just squidge a little bit. But in thir- I'm going to give you 30 seconds, uh, and you have to make something to help you to feed the other person the chocolate. Um, you're going to be judged on effectiveness and creativity, OK? So Casper so and Mally, for the moment, you just need to just give encouragement. Um, and then in a moment, you'll need to do some eating of chocolate, if you can manage that. OK? So Micah and Poppy, do you know what you're doing? Yeah? You ready to start? Let us just get, get the timer going. Ready? Go. You, you, you can shout out advice, if you like. Something, something to feed the chocolate to the other person. How's it going? Pair of, pair of tongs, a spoon, spoon, pair of tongs, there we go, you've got about five seconds left, yeah, yeah, okay, we're ready, chopsticks, that's a terrible idea, <laughs> okay, right, but Mike is going for it anyway, brilliant, that's good, okay, right, all right, stop now, stop now, okay, right, brilliant, so uh, let's, let's start with you, Poppy, Poppy, could you just show us what you've done, uh, do you want to describe it for us? A shovelish-type spoon, okay? Uh, before we see the effectiveness, any kind of like... Uh, should, should we give a kind of cheer on creativity? Okay, there you go. Good. Come back in a minute. Don't change it. Micah, hold, hold on what you made for us. Chopsticks, brilliant. Um, yeah, good, good. Uh, don't, don't really know what to say about that. Um, but creativity, any... Oh, that's good. Great. Right. So, right. Uh, let's, so, so, Mally, you can hold, hold the plate. You're not allowed to touch the chocolate. Casper, hold the plate. you not to touch the chocolate. Unless, like, uh, come, come and stand forward so everyone can see. And then um, you, you can kind of go at this simultaneously, and we'll see how effective your implements are for feeding the other person. Okay? Go. Yeah. Go. Oh, that is very good. Oh, that is awesome. Casper, have you been fed yet? I was about to say they both worked. No, he's still going for it. Let go. Let go. (laughs) That is good. Well done. Brilliant. Very, very good. Right. Um, Effectiveness over here, what do we think? It did the job, didn't it? He he did eat the chocolate. Effectiveness over here? Yeah, much better. I think think we have a clear winner here. Um, I don't know what you win, but there you go. That's brilliant. You can go and sit down. He wins the chocolate. My wonderful play, there. in fact, I'll talk about that in a moment. Great, brilliant, right? Um, where are we at? Uh, Jesus, um, what did he do with the blind man? What he did was he spat on the ground and he made some mud and then he put the mud on the man's eyes and told the man to go and wash it off. And this begins to show the wonderful works of God, but why does he do it like that? No, this, this play, though, these um creations are covered with the marks of their maker. You can see Micah's fingerprints on them, can't you? It's good, isn't it? Uh, Poppy's destroyed hers already, so we can't really do (laughs) that. She's already gone. Very malleable. Um, But but the the, the maker's mark is all over the clay, isn't it? Um, It shows the personality of the makers. We saw the personality of Poppy and of Micah to some extent. And well, our God loves to make stuff. He made the whole world. And when he made people in the world, Genesis 2-7 says he did it like this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And when God made people, he took the dirt, and and he formed it and crafted it like a potter shaping clay, and then got right up close and he kissed his work. He breathed in life. (laughs) Fast forward a long time, and you have Jesus, God in the flesh, Healing this blind man, doing something similar. Taking the dirt from the ground and forming it like a potter. It's, it's, it's hands-on, it's up close and personal. The fingerprints of Jesus all over it. Smearing his own mud spit onto the man's eyes. Now, God loves to make stuff and he loves to use the stuff that he's made. And he doesn't have to do it like this, does he? He doesn't have to do it at all like this. Just a couple of chapters ago in John chapter 5, there's a man who's paralysed. And there, Jesus says to him, Get up. And he gets up. He didn't make anything, he just, just spoke it. And, and he could have done that with the blind man. But he chooses to do something different, to use something. No, when it comes to the Play-Doh, um, Casper, did you need the Play-Doh to eat the chocolate? No, no, you didn't need it at all. You could have just picked it up and done it yourself, couldn't you? Um, uh, Jesus didn't need to make mud. But he chooses to use stuff to show his wonderful works. Now, and I wonder, maybe this is one to talk about later. What do you think is more wonderful when Jesus heals with a word? He just says it, and it is. Or when he uses stuff like mud? Which is more wonderful? It's a different type of wonder, maybe. But here, Jesus uses mud to do his work. I love that. If he can use mud, probably can use me, can't he? That's great, isn't it? And he uses all kinds of stuff, doesn't he? He uses food to sustain us, medicines to heal us, friends to comfort us, sun- sunrises to, to make us happy. Um, ordinary stuff, even mud pies he can use to do his wonderful works. That should help us to worship him, shouldn't it? Now this blind man, he needs to see. He needs the light of the world. He needs to see Jesus. That's what we need too. And we need to see Jesus. We need to see how the creator God notices our needs and cares for us in so many wonderful ways and the care of our lord is so deep you see this this whole healing is really a signpost a picture it has a great meaning now back in john 5 after jesus heals the paralyzed man he gets into a discussion with the religious leaders and he says he says that they are blind because they read their bibles but miss the point that it's all about jesus And the Bible is all about Jesus. And for hundreds of years, uh, the people of God have been singing a song of praise to God. They've been singing these words when they come together like we do on a Sunday. They've been singing, praise the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. The Lord gives sight to the blind. Now imagine you go to the synagogue. You go go to your church and and you sing this song. The Lord gives sight to the blind, la, 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 tune like that. Um, and then you go out and you see a man, Jesus, giving sight to the blind. Well, what does the healing tell you about Jesus? He's the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the great potter who shapes the clay. And, and, and then in the, in the prophets, in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 35. And through the prophet Isaiah, he tells about this future time of Restoration. A time when God the maker is going to come and fix everything. And at that time, all the the darkness and brokenness of the world will be mended. Isaiah tells about this amazing future. He says in that future, gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. All suffering will be gone. And how will we know that God has come to do this? Well, Isaiah says, then will the eyes of the blind be opened. When you see someone opening the eyes of the blind, we're to look at that someone and see that God has come to make everything new. And that message of Isaiah was given as a comfort to those who are struggling. This is what it says before that. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. In John chapter 9, the blind man is healed and Isaiah's message rings out louder. Here is God who has come to save you. You don't need to be afraid. Whatever struggle is consuming you, you don't need to fear because God has come to save. And then Jesus tells the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. John makes the point of telling us that that means sent. The pool is called sent. Why does he tell us that? Well, because in verse 4, he's told us Jesus is from God. He is sent from God. Keep getting told that Jesus is sent from God. So we imagine this man as he makes his way to the pool called sent. Sent. We see he has to trust what Jesus has told him. And as he splashes water on his face, we see that he needs to be washed in the place called Sent. He needs to be washed by Jesus. Now, as we read on in chapter 9, we see that this man gets it. His seeing is more than just having his eyes healed. He sees who Jesus really is and puts his trust in him. Now, the blind man needs to see. He needs the light of the world. He needs to see Jesus and so do we and we need to see how Jesus who is creator God notices our needs and he cares for us in so many wonderful ways and cares for us so so deeply that through his death he has opened a future without any suffering and he opens it for all who will trust in him all who will go to the sent one and wash in him this morning why don't you ask yourself Do you see Jesus? And what do you see? Would you trust him? And we're going to sing a couple of songs just to respond to that, really. Do we see Jesus? And if we see him, do we trust him? We'll sing about turning our eyes onto Jesus, remembering who he is, what he's done, and how he might be for us. Now let's stand and sing together. Turn your eyes on Jesus.